Wow, it's good to see you all here. Sort of a up-in-the-air weather here, so we're seeing whether uh, we get rain or sunshine or a little bit of both. And uh, I, if you look at your bulletin, it does not say who is preaching today, but it is Marietta Reinhardt. Marietta hails from Mechanic Grove. Do you remember uh, Carter? Rita Carter. Rita Carter. Two Sundays ago, Rita was also from Mechanic Grove. That's almost all the way down to Maryland Line. So that's a, an hour drive at least. 50 yeah, 50 minutes. And she got a ticket on the way. So, <laughs> Yeah, so we're glad. Welcome, Marietta. We're glad to have you here. And thank you so much for accepting our invitation. Uh, we are... We're still interviewing for uh, another quarter-time pastor. I want to let you know that uh, uh, we want Pastor Sandy to come back and be with us, and I was trying to get a hold of him. Uh, You know, his last day with us was in the end of April. So he said, I am not going to come and be at the church because my Last day, my contract last day was the last day of April, but I will give you pulpit supply like Marietta is doing today if you want me to. So I tried calling him, and I did get a hold of him in May, I think, and boy, he didn't sound like himself. Somebody else answered the phone. I think it was probably Karen, or of course, Karen or one of the boys, and uh they passed the phone to Sandy, and Sandy just sounded like he was just was awakened from a very deep nap. <clears throat> didn't sound like himself, and we didn't talk long. And then I tried calling in June, no response. I left a message on his answering machine, nobody called back. I called his uh, cell phone, he didn't return the call. Now, I do sometimes email him certain things, but I didn't try that. That was my next step. But I said to Pete Contra, our district executive, did you have any contact with Sandy? And he said, no, I haven't. And I said, I can't get a hold of him. I hope there's nothing wrong. Hope hope he's not mad at us. (laughs) And he said, well, I have to call him for something else. He said, I'll tell him you want to talk to him. So lo and behold, on Thursday, I think it was, he called. He sounded his old self. And I said, I've been trying to get a hold of you. And he said, well, I was sick the whole month of May. He said, I was in bed. He said, I think I had COVID. He said, I was really sick. He said, as a matter of fact, I wasn't too sure there a couple couple of days that I was going to make it. And he said, I'm feeling a lot better now. He said, I'm about 90%. But he said, that's why I wasn't answering you. He said, then, he said, that was May. He said, beginning of June, we went to Ohio. He has family in Ohio. That's where he's from. And uh, he said they were having graduation. So we went out there for three weeks. So that's why I couldn't get him there. In between there, someplace, he lost his cell phone. So that's why he wasn't answering his cell phone. So he said, Now I'm feeling about 90%. He said, if you need any 
pulpit supply. I assume that's why you're calling. I said, he said, I'd be glad to help you, but he said, I might not be able to stand at the pulpit for the whole time. I might have to sit down to preach. So I said, well, thank goodness we have good people like Marietta. And I said, we are set for the month of July. And he said, that is a relief. He said, that's good. He said, I, he said, I feel better about that. So, so long story short, we didn't know he was sick or we could have prayed for him. But if you're so inclined, if you would kindly send him a letter or a, a card and, you know, just one of those glad to hear you're getting better, you know, that type of thing, not like, I hear you're on your deathbed, but, you know, <laughs> glad to hear you're getting better. And let him know that we're, we're thinking about him and praying for him so that uh, uh, he keeps in contact with us. His address is in the, uh, the uh, directory. So please do that. I was, Christine and I were going to get a card to bring in and sign, but, you know, until everybody signs it, it's going to be another month and, you know, and so forth. So if you, if you can, just drop him a card and let him know that we're, we're thinking about him. Uh, I'd like to see the search committee after worship for just a few moments up front here. And uh, I think that's all we have to... Do I have anything that I should... Nancy? Yeah. We didn't, we didn't sing happy birthday for some people last week. Where's Mel? Oh, Mel's back. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well... Oh, that's right, yes. Christine is going to be going on vacation. They're going to make a mission trip to the beach, and they'll be down there for two weeks cooking for the heathen. And uh... <laughs> So if you have any prayer requests for the prayer chain, contact Nancy. And if you can't get Nancy, you can also call the office. So... Uh, so just keep that in mind that Christine will be away uh, and just contact Nancy, and Nancy will take care of it from there. Okay? All righty. Very good. We have <clears throat> on our bulletin here, we have sharing joys and concerns right before our first hymn. Let's do that right now. Uh, like I said, we want to keep Pastor Sandy in our prayers Christine, you have any updates? Okay. Are you vaccinated? No, I can't ask that. Can't ask that any. Um, yeah. Uh, Jenna Ferguson, I see Tina's here. You want to give an update about her? I know, but I'm going to let you share. Okay. I'll let her share that. And other ones I have made on here for Rodney Holland. We have all the updates, and Gus Baumgartner, and we have keeping these people in prayer. And Keith Solinsky, we had him on our prayer chain twice this week because Keith had been taken to the Hershey Med Center with internal bleeding, and then they found out that he had two bleeding ulcers. Ooh. And they were kind of getting that straightened out. We're going to send him home, and then Joyce Strickler called me because this is her, was her son-in-law, really. And okay. it was Caitlin, the little, the young 
girl that we had on our prayer guide quite a few times with stomach problems. This is her dad. Oh. And anyhow, now then Joyce called me and we put him on the prayer chain again because more bleeding and had to stay in the hospital. Oh, God. And I told, she didn't put her, she mid, but uh, she did put on internal bleeding doing testing. Well, yeah, they're doing testing all right, but she forgot to put Hershey Med okay, Center on awesome. your, Yeah, he was still in, so maybe Joyce has an update since okay. I talked to her, okay. since we put him on. So other than that, that's it. Okay, very good. I'm going to go over to Tina. I can find an unmarked pew to scoot across here. Yes, Jenna had her follow-up appointment on Tuesday. They went back to New York City to um, Sloan Kettering, and it was a wonderful report. Oh. They were able to get the entire tumor, uh, and it was the size of a football, they told her. Oh, for goodness sake. And, I mean, she's a little, a little girl. She's a gymnast, so she's tiny. I mean, she's got muscle on her, but she's tiny. But they said the size of a football – she asked them for a picture, and apparently they have to request. Well, it's a whole big thing, oh, but yeah. um, she does want to see what it looked like. But they got it all, so no further treatment, oh. no radiation, no chemo. Um, the tumor itself was was cancerous, but they got it all. Um, I saw her yesterday. She was at my in-laws yesterday, and she um, is still sore her biggest thing is i guess when they did the surgery they cut some of the muscles so she can't get out of bed herself because she can't lift her neck up oh. she has to re-strengthen those those muscles in there and that's her her uh, biggest thing plus being a gymnast i mean she wants to get back to oh, yeah. where she can compete hopefully by december okay. um but just i mean this whole thing could not have gone any better and she did say to me, she said, thank you for the prayers, Auntie. And I did make her a pink uh, prayer shawl. And uh, just, it's, we just couldn't have asked for any better results. Okay. But she has a ways to go as far as total rehabilitation, but no treatment. Fantastic. How yes. old is she? She is 20. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Goes to Rutgers University, so. Okay. Yeah. She's, prayer uh, works, folks. Absolutely. Prayer works. Absolutely. Joyce, let me wind my way back here. Uh, Keith is doing really good today. Uh, this is uh, this week he was back in the hospital with bleeders, so they took him in and, and they cauterized the bleeders. And then two days ago, his counts were dropping. He got very ill. Took him back in, two more bleeders, and a bulging vein, or I don't know, vein or artery, we're not sure, had burst. And uh, they got that fixed up, so now they're just keeping him for observation. I'm not sure they know why any of this is happening. Wow. So uh, he's had gout for years and has been on that medicine and uh, has now have, they're treating him for H. pylori. It's a bacteria which he was tested negative for, but they're treating him for that because they have no answers. But he's doing really good and hopefully come home tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Right. And a blessing. Uh, I talked to Elaine Gill, and she's going to 
she's going to give us some prayer shawls. Oh, good. She has quite a few. And uh, they, I, uh, they're having some health issues. Uh, so we just keep them in, your, in our prayers. Elaine. Yes, and, and yeah. Yeah, Ed. And so uh, just a blessing that she's going to help us with these prayer shawls. That's great. That's so. great. Yeah, I get to see them on occasion. They stop by my shop. So they're doing well. But uh, they do have some health issues. I know they do. Who else would like to share? Let me get back there, Dave. Uh, pray for my mom and dad. They're, in a couple of weeks, they're going to go to Owl for a memorial um, service for my uncle. Just keep the whole family in their, your prayers. It goes well. My cousin, Deb, is going to do this, I think, the service. Okay. Give her strength to do this. Okay. Yeah. Anyone else? John? My wife came across an interesting quote. It's when something like this it's hard to hear God speak after you've decided what you want him to say. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Eleanor. Yesterday I ran into Jeannie Hershey and I asked her how her sister Ruby Bollinger is doing and she said, well, not real good. Uh, they were raised down there where <clears throat> Virgil and Mary are living now. Uh-huh. Anyhow, she has cancer, and she asked the doctor if he could give her at least 10 more years, and he said, let's get through the next six months. And then she called me later and said she was taken to the emergency room yesterday uh-huh. afternoon. Okay. So it's Ruby Bollinger. Anyone else? Okay. We will pray for our concerns in a little bit, but we have an opening hymn to sing, ladies and gentlemen. It's number 72. Keep in mind that I'm old. I forget things. I don't retain names, but God knows who they are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love to pray to you. You ask us to pray. And we obey. Thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you give us. Thank you for the joys that we can celebrate. Individuals who had massive surgery to remove tumors. Lord, what a blessing that things have turned out in a positive way. Bless that young lady. Give her strength. Get her back on her feet. And let her know that we are still praying for her. And thank you, Lord, for individuals who have come forward and have given you all the praise and glory for things that have happened for you, through, through you, excuse me. And we pray for individuals who are still in the hospital, suffering from bleeding ulcers, bleeding uh, problems. Lord, heal them, if you will, please. Lift them up. Give them the assurance that you are with them. And we also praise 
God for Pastor Sandy, that he will increase in strength and he will get back to his self 100%. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for his previous ministry to this congregation and thank you for his love for you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, there is people who are hurting throughout this world, not only in this congregation, but throughout the world. Brothers and sisters in Christ who are being oppressed, lift them up, Lord. Let them know that you, you will prevent any harm from coming to them if it is your will. Thank you, Lord, for their faith. Increase their faith. Give them great perseverance. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this nation. But, Lord, we need your help. We need a great revival here in this country that was so blessed by you in previous years. Lord, we pray for our leaders. Although they may not do exactly what we think they should do, they need your guidance. Please give them that guidance. And save your people from destruction, Lord, if you will. Lift them up. Give them the assurance that you are still the one in charge, as we well know. And let us understand that your timing is not our timing and that everything is in your control. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that you have done for this congregation and throughout, throughout the world for other Christian believers. And we pray this in your son's holy name, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our coming King. Amen. Marietta, we are anxiously awaiting your word. I believe I have my sound on and working, right? Oh, good. All right. <laughs> um, our scripture passage this morning comes from 1 Peter, and I'm going to invite you to turn there because I'm going to actually be walking us through this, okay? Um, 1 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to be reading verses 3 to 9. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. <clears throat> Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So it's good to be here today. As Mike said, I'm Marietta Reinhardt. I bring you greetings from the Atlantic Northeast District of the Church of the Brethren, where I serve as Director of Witness and Outreach. 
And I also bring you greetings from my home congregation, Mechanic Grove. And as you said, Rita Carter was here a couple weeks ago, so she filled me in on all of you. So, <laughs> so I'm well prepared, okay? <laughs> and it's good to be here. Um, a few years ago, my husband and I were together at home on Labor Day. Uh, we both enjoy classical music, so we turned into WRTI, which is a classical and jazz music radio station out of Philadelphia. And on that particular day on Labor Day, they announced that they were going to play the top 10 most well-loved classical pieces of music. And my, of course, they did that, the thing where they start with 10 and they count down. And my husband, Ed, you would love to meet him. He's one of those confident people who know everything. So he said to me, I know what number one is. And I said, well, smarty pants, I mean, you don't know. He said, I said yes, I do. And so he wrote it in a piece of paper, you know, and I said, well, we'll just see what you know. And he was right. <laughs> he, he knew um, that number one most well-loved piece of classical music is Ludwig van Beethoven's Ninth Symphony in D minor. Now, I'm sure many of you are saying, well, we don't do classical music, and I don't know anything about that symphony. You will soon, all right? <laughs> um, the symphony has a really interesting story behind it. Beethoven started playing the violin when he was five years old, and by the time he was 13, he had become a concert organist. So understand, our pianist is 14, so see, you've got, you, you, you got time to go here, okay? Um, he was able to study under the great musicians Haydn and Mozart, and during his lifetime, he wrote nine majestic symphonies, five piano concertos, and many, many, many well-loved pieces of chamber music. And he has been recognized over the centuries as an absolute musical genius. But Beethoven was no stranger to difficulties. Beethoven began to lose his hearing when he was still in his 20s. Now, I'm, probably some of you maybe struggle with hearing, many older people do, and you know that's a challenge. But just imagine being a musician and losing your hearing. So his hearing problems continued through many years of his life, but he managed to keep this problem a secret as best as he could, as long as he could. But when he was 41 years old, the day finally happened when he totally failed in an attempt to perform his own piano concerto number five. He couldn't keep up with the orchestra. They couldn't stay together because he couldn't hear them. So after that failure, Beethoven never performed in public again. And by the time he reached his 50s, Beethoven was stone deaf. Now, at the end of the service, we are going to sing Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. And if you look in the hymnal, when you see it, you're going to see it says there, it's from Ludwig van Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. It's the fourth movement of his Ninth Symphony. And when Beethoven composed this symphony, he was 54 years old and totally deaf. And the most amazing thing is he entitled this part of his symphony, The Ode to Joy. And Beethoven had singers performing in that last movement, and he wrote words for the singers, and they were words of joy. He said this, Oh, friends, not these tones. Rather, let us raise our voices in more pleasing and joyful sounds. And there was this echo, joy, 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 joy. And we're told that when that symphony was performed, he was on stage conducting the orchestra, but he couldn't hear the cheers and the applause of the audience. 
So at the end of the performance, one of the singers had to go to him and turn him around so that he could see the response of the audience. Now just imagine a musician, stone deaf, and he wrote an entire symphony with the theme of joy. So today's Bible passage from 1 Peter reminds us that God intends for all of us as followers of Jesus to have joy in our lives. In our Bible passage today, we hear the Apostle Peter, and he's telling his readers that they're going to have bumps in the road, they're going to have rocky times in their lives. In fact, verse 6, I'm going to go back to it if you want to find verse 6, it says this, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. There's that phrase there, all kinds of trials. It's an interesting phrase. It's a Greek word, poikilos, and it means various colors or variegated. So I'm thinking of variegated yarn. If you're a knitter or someone who crochets, think of variegated yarn. So Peter is telling us that our lives are going to be full of all kinds of variegated colors of life experiences, and not all of them are going to be pleasant or easy to handle. Now, I doubt that there is any person here today who doesn't have trials in your life. In fact, I'm looking at your prayer sheet, and you obviously know a lot of people who have trials in their lives, and most of us have trials in our lives. <clears throat> Many of us could probably share about rocky times. We could share about bumps in the road. Well, think of this. Beethoven certainly could share a lot about rocky times in his life because of the deafness that he had. And I have noticed, at least in my own life, it's very difficult to have a sense of joy when I'm walking through my day-to-day -day challenges. But Peter here is telling us, he's telling his readers and us that we're to rejoice even as we are walking through our trials and our struggles. Now for me, I'll confess, I often say to myself, well, after I get through this trial, I'll be a little happier. And I say, you know, how could anyone feel joy in the middle of what I'm going through? But yet the Apostle Peter is telling his readers they should rejoice even though they have had to suffer a little grief in their lives. So a number of years ago, I received this really interesting Christmas gift. It was one of those, maybe you had one of those, a tabletop water fountain that you plug in. You plug it in and water runs through it and you can hear this nice little sound as the water splashes over the rocks. And this particular fountain had levels, trays at different levels, and the instruction said you're supposed to put rocks around in different places. And I learned that it made a difference where I placed the rocks. I sort of rearranged them and the sound was different. And if I didn't have any rocks at all, it was just boring because all you could hear was just water running. So the rocks added a lot to my fountain. In addition, there's a little stream near my house down near Quarryville, and I love to walk along the stream. The trail goes for about a mile back along the creek bed, and there's little waterfalls, and there's little rapids along the way, and you may have some places around here where you like to walk. Because as you go, you can hear the water splashing down the creek bed, and it makes all these nice little sounds. It's just so pleasant and so calming, and it's one of the best places to take a Sunday afternoon walk. I've also taken walks along the Susquehanna River. Uh, one of the places where my husband and I like to walk is it's the Turkey Hill Overlook Trail, which isn't too far from down here. And you walk along the river, and it's a beautiful walk. But I've noticed that when I walk along the river, the water is deep, and it flows slowly and very smoothly along. 
but there's no sound unless maybe a fish or a frog break the surface of the water. So I've noticed that walking along the river is pleasant and it's pretty, but walking along the creek bed with water splashing through the rocks is much more calming and interesting. So rivers are nice, but splashing creek beds with rocks, tabletop fountains with rocks, they're even nicer. So you know, brothers and sisters, we know this. Our lives often have rocks in them. Vents turn out poorly. We're disappointed what people do. Friends and family have health problems. I saw this huge list here of people that have health problems that you know. We experience illnesses in our own life. We have the death of friends and family. I mean, the list could go on. And I've often heard people suggest that when they're going through these disappointing events, they call them bumps in the road. Or we tell people we're having rocky times when life treats us poorly. So those multicolored trials that Peter mentions, they're like the rocks in my tabletop fountain, or they're like the rocks in the flowing stream. And the Apostle Peter is reminding us that in the midst of the rocks, in the midst of the bumps in our lives, we can rejoice. The rocks in our lives make a beautiful sound, even though they don't feel very comfortable at the time. Beethoven walked through incredibly difficult times. I mean, he had lots of rocks in his lives. But he wrote a symphony with the theme of joy. So I want to take a couple minutes to talk about how we can have joy in the midst of all those multicolored rocks that we have in our lives. In this passage of 1 Peter, we're told several important reasons why we can respond with joy to the rocks and bumps in our lives. So one of the reasons is God's mercy. And so I'm going to have you look at 1 Peter 1, chapter, verse 3. So this is verse 3 in our passage. It's the first verse I read. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So I heard that word mercy, God's great mercy. Well, you know, we are an Easter people. Our entire Christian faith is based on the joy that we have in our lives because we know that God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to die on the cross so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And I know I sometimes find myself forgetting just how much God has done for me. Think of it. Jesus left his home in glory, came to live among God's people to show us how to live, and more importantly, he died that gruesome death on the cross so that we could be rescued from our sinful state. And now we, all of us, we are people saved by the mercy of God. We didn't earn our salvation. The gift of salvation is a reflection of God's mercy for us. So think of this. Praise God. That's an awesome reason to have joy in our life. God's mercy. Here's another reason for joy in our lives. It's having hope for the future. So look at verse 4. It says this. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. And if you pop on down to verses 8 and 9, they say this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an expressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith the salvation of your souls. When we realize what God has planned for our future, how can we not be filled with indescribable joy? 
If you, uh, I'm not going to turn there, but John chapter 14, very familiar words, the first three verses of John chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, also believe in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I not have told you that I'm going back there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you'll always be where I am. And then a few verses later in John chapter 15, he says, and I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus wants us to know that there is hope in the future. There's a place for us with him. And when we know that we have an eternal home with Jesus, we have a reason for joy that no rocks or bumps in the road can destroy. So we know we have God's mercy in our lives. We know we have hope for the future. But there's one more reason. I'm going to verse 7. So look with me at verse 7. It says this. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So I see those words, praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And I'm thinking, hmm. So these trials and rocks in my path, it's not about me. Is it possible that the bumps and rocks in my life can result in praise and glory and honor for the name of Jesus? Maybe it's about Jesus and not about me. So I have this book. I brought it along. It's a very intriguing book. I don't know if you're a reader, but you would love to read this book. It's written by two men, St. Bob Shogren and Gerald Robinson, and it's called Cat and Dog Theology. Now, I don't know if we have cat lovers here, okay, or dog lovers here. We may start a, okay, we may start a problem here because <laughs> this book is based on cats and dog theology. And he has this premise. It starts with the familiar cat and dog joke, and you may have probably heard this. A dog says, you pet me, you feed me, you shelter me, you love me, you just must be God. And if you have dogs, you probably can imagine that. But a cat will say, you pet me, you feed me, you shelter me, you love me. I must be God. <laughs> if you have cats, you might know that, all right? So, so the writers of this book have used this saying to talk about two kinds of Christians, the dog Christians and the cat Christians. So in this book, the cat Christians are described as Christians who find their joy knowing that God loves them and cares for them, and they tend to ask questions like, what can God do for me? So the writers of this book say that cat Christians will pray for God to bless them and their families. They ask for God's protection in their lives, and I'm sure we, many of us, do that. And the cat Christians believe God wants them to have comfortable, blessed, and happy lives. And their joy comes from knowing, or at least thinking they know, that God will provide everything they want in their life. So just think how hard it is for these cat Christians to deal with rocks and bumps in their life. By contrast, the dog Christians in this book, they're described as being more focused on what they can do for God. 
the dull Christians see their joy as being deeply connected to fulfilling God's plan for their lives. So joy for a dull Christian comes from seeing God's name being praised even when life is difficult. So in this book, there are pages and pages of examples of Christians who are suffering for and being persecuted for their faith. And I see in your list here, you are praying for persecuted Christians around the world because we know there are many people suffering for their faith. And we're told in this book that these same Christians who are suffering for their faith are experiencing indescribable joy and fulfillment in their lives. They're experiencing this indescribable joy because they see glory being given to God and to what God is doing in their lives. So in this Bible passage, the Apostle Peter is telling his readers there's going to be bumps in the road ahead. But in verse 7 that we read, Peter encourages those Christians, and I'm going to call them the dog Christians. He's telling them to remain faithful, and he compliments them on proving the genuineness of their faith. And what is the reward for their genuine faith? Well, the reward is praise and glory and honor for the name of Jesus. I'm thinking, wait, wait, wait. I think the reward should be a nice, soft, cushy life for me. That's what I like to think. But no. The joy comes from knowing that what's happening in my life is bringing praise and glory and honor to the name of Jesus. How many times is our sense of joy focused on what's happening in our personal lives? And we feel joy when all is well, and we really struggle with joy when life puts rocks and boulders in our way. And I'm going to suggest that when that happens, maybe we need to turn to 1 Peter and look at this passage and think again about the real source of joy in our lives. So we know I've listed three reasons for us to have joy in our lives, even when there's rocks and bumps in the way. One reason is that we can rejoice in God's mercy that's offered to us knowing that we have mercy that we do not deserve. Another reason is we can rejoice in the hope of having an eternal home with Jesus. But we can also, and to me it's probably the most important reason to have joy in my life, we can have joy in any and all circumstances in our lives because we know that what's happening to us will bring praise and glory and honor to the name of Jesus. So I have one final illustration that I wanted to share. It comes from a book written by Elizabeth George. She called the book A Woman's Walk with God. And to me it was a perfect example for joy. She said that her daughter was offered the opportunity to be a model. Now, this was not an opportunity to model clothes. She was offered the opportunity to model diamonds for a catalog, and she got the job because someone said she had beautiful hands. So she went to the studio, and she was instructed how to do this. She was supposed to carefully lift her hand up from the dark background toward the light. And here's how they explained the process to her. They said this. When a diamond is placed against a dark background, the darkness makes it seem more brilliant. And then when the diamond is lifted toward a light, all the facets are revealed and allowed to sparkle. A diamond is pretty by itself, but putting it against a black background and lifting it to the light just enhances its radiance and glory. Peter, in this passage, is telling his readers the same thing. We all know there is a lot of darkness in our world. You don't have to read the newspaper, look at television, talk to your neighbors. There is plenty of darkness out there in our world. Beethoven actually suffered a lot of darkness in his days. 
It was dark in the days of Peter and the early church. And we know that the world is dark today. But when we as Christians can respond to the trials in our lives with joy, just imagine how the world sees that joy. When Beethoven wrote his Ninth Symphony, most people knew he was deaf. And the symphony he wrote is absolutely amazing. And the fact that he wrote it when he was deaf is just as one more thing to our response to this magnificent work of his. You might even say that Beethoven's Ninth Symphony is like a diamond sparkling above the darkness of his deaf world. So brothers and sisters, our joy in the midst of life trials can be just like a diamond sparkling above the darkness of today's world. And I want to remind you of these words from the Apostle Peter. It's verse 7. He says this. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though we find by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Would you pray with me, please, as we close? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love in our lives. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for hope. And we thank you that we have this opportunity to reflect Jesus in our joy. And we ask as we go from here that we can be a people of joy. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.